We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good morning, White Sox fans. I'm Jim Margulis, and this is your White Sox wake-up call for June 27th, 2023. Listen, I know it's obnoxious for somebody to quote themselves because you didn't subscribe to this podcast for a book reading, but indulge me for one second. In the last paragraph of Monday afternoon's post on SoxMachine.com about the way the White Sox have successively compensated for Mike Clevenger's absence thus far, I felt like I was being a little too complimentary towards Pedro Grafal, so I threw in a caveat to cover my butt. Quote, Grafal hasn't done a perfect job with the pitching staff. He seems to want 100 pitches out of Lance Lynn no matter what, and believes Reynaldo Lopez and Aaron Bummer to be better than they've shown. Unquote. I mention this because in a 1-1 game at Angel Stadium in the bottom of the ninth on Monday night, Grafal had just about his entire bullpen seemingly available, and he instead turned to Lopez for a second inning of work, backed up by Bummer. The game did not get to extra innings, they instead lost 2-1 on a walk-off not-so-wild pitch because of another self-inflicted decision, but we'll get to that shortly. Grafal went to Lopez for the 8th after Joe Kelly stranded two Dylan Cease runners to get through the 7th. While some might say that's still too high of leverage for Lopez, I thought it was a defensible decision considering Lopez was facing 8-9-1 in the Anaheim order. Sure enough, he retired all three batters on 8 pitches, all routine outs. Good job, Ronaldo. But then Grafal stuck with Lopez to start the 9th against 2-3-4, or as they're more commonly known, Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, and some other guy. Sure enough, Lopez walked Trout, and then Grafal called for Aaron Bummer to get lefty-lefty against Otani. Now let's pause here and go back to the top of the eighth inning. With one out, nobody on, and righty Jacob Webb in for Reed Detmers, Grafal went to Yasmani Grandal to pinch hit for Sebi Zavala. Grandal homered two days ago, so it wasn't absurd to think that he could maybe untie the game. On the other hand, Grandal took a foul tip to the jaw on Sunday, and his health was questionable enough that the White Sox had Carlos Perez on hand for the trip to the West Coast just in case an aisle stint was necessary. So maybe he's not the guy you want behind the plate, especially if you're thinking about using Bummer. Bummer throws a lot of pitches in the dirt, and he's terrible at holding runners. So what happens? Bummer shows up without control of his breaking ball. He gets strike one in a sinker that Otani fouls back, but he misses with two non-competitive sweepers and a sinker off the plate. He then gets a called strike on a sinker in the center of the zone, but when he goes back to a sweeper on a full count, he misses terribly to put runners on first and second with still nobody out. Some other guy, a.k.a. Brandon Drury, comes to the plate. Bummer gets ahead of 0-2, but when he tries for a putaway pitch, he instead bounces a sweeper well in front of home plate while Trout and Otani are in motion. Had Trout not slid headfirst into third base, he probably would have been able to score on the carom because he had an incredible jump. Instead, Bummer caught a mild break and finally threw the sweeper he needed to retire Drury. 
Up came Mike Moustakis for another lefty-lefty matchup with one out. And Bummer got ahead on a well-located sinker. He then went back to the sweeper, and he went back to the dirt as well. This one was a blockable pitch, but Grandal came up as the ball stayed down, and Trout successfully broke for home and ended the game. There's a lot to second guess here. Should Lopez have started the inning? Probably not. Should Bummer have pitched? Maybe, but you'd rather have either clear base paths or a fully healthy catcher to block everything that doesn't get to the plate. But once Grandal hit for Zavala in the eighth, that option was by the boards. All of the ninth inning overshadowed an excellent start from Dylan Cease, who struck out 10 without walking anybody over six-plus innings. His only mistake was a loud one, a slider that hung on the inside corner to Shohei Otani, who uncoiled and crushed a ball 446 feet out to right field to tie the game at one in the fourth inning. Otherwise, Cease allowed just two other hits through six. He then gave up two hits to start the seventh, but Joe Kelly cleaned up his mess. Cease got 17 swinging strikes and 99 pitches, and he and Sebi Zavala teamed up to take advantage of home plate umpire Bill Miller's big strike zone. Unfortunately, Reed Detmers did the same for the Angels. He allowed a solo shot to Luis Robert Jr. in the first, and then nothing else. He limited the Sox to an Andrew Vaughn single and two walks over the remainder of his seven innings, matching Cease with 10 strikeouts. Detmers located well, and if the White Sox hadn't had so many similar nights against lesser efforts this season, you might be inspired to tip your cap. Alas, even after Detmers left, the White Sox could only muster a Robert single, and that was erased by an Eloy Jimenez double play. The White Sox are back to a dozen games under 500, and this is the fifth straight series that they've opened with a loss. They'll try to do the same thing they've done the last five times and win game two, but it doesn't figure to get any easier facing Shohei Otani. Otani is 6-3 with a 3.13 ERA this season, and while he's had ups and downs, he's coming off a definite up, striking out 12 Dodgers over seven innings of one-run ball last Wednesday. He'll face Michael Kopech, whose season has a wider range between its peaks and valleys, except his last start was a four-inning slog. Will he be able to rebound? Find out at 8.37 p.m. Central on NBC Sports Chicago. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Down on the farm, a couple of notes. The four full-season White Sox affiliates all had Monday off, but they still made some news. Jose Rodriguez was optioned to Charlotte, with Adam Hazley taking his spot on the 26-man roster, so Popeye will get his first taste of AAA baseball this week. Also, Jonathan Cannon will be the White Sox lone representative in the Futures game on July 8th. He's not the most scintillating selection, but their third-round pick from last year is having a nice season for Winston-Salem, posting a 3.27 ERA while averaging better than five innings over his 12 starts. The two White Sox rookie ball affiliates did play on Monday and both lost. The Arizona Complex League White Sox fell to the ACL Reds 5-4 in seven innings. Colson Montgomery started at shortstop and went one for three at the walk. And Ryan Burroughs had a perfect night at the plate by tripling, doubling, and drawing two walks. 
The Dominican Summer League White Sox lost 6-2 to the Orioles Black team, but Abraham Nunez continued his strong start by going 1-3 three with a double and a walk. As for the other four teams, Winston-Salem starts their second half in Aberdeen tonight, but Birmingham and Kannapolis are off until Wednesday, and Charlotte will resume its season on Friday. Around the league, there were only five other games besides White Sox-Angels. The Twins played one of them, and they were shut down by Spencer Strider in a 4-1 loss to the Braves, so they're back to 500 at 40-40. The Tigers gained a game by beating the Rangers 7-2, so they're four and a half games back. Cleveland and Kansas City were idle. Elsewhere, Milwaukee extended the misery of the New York Mets with a 2-1 victory at City Field. The Mets are now 35-43, 16 games back of the Braves in the NL East, and 6.5 back of the third-place Phillies. The Brewers, for their part, slipped back ahead of Cincinnati. The Reds have now lost three straight after the Orioles clobbered them 10-3. Baltimore prospect Jordan Westberg made his Major League debut at second base, and he recorded his first hit, run, and RBI. The Mariners doubled up the Nationals in the only other game in 8-4, but that's the only game where both teams were under 500. That'll do it for this edition of the White Sox Wake Up Call. Two other podcasts I'll direct your attention to. Today's Future Sox podcast features Burke Granger of D1 Baseball, who will offer a scout's look at the first round of the upcoming MLB draft. Also, I appeared on the most recent From the 108 podcast as part of Beeflo's interview series, The Aju. He asked a lot about the origins of Sox Machine, the blog, the podcast, and my strange career path, in case that's something you've always wanted to know but were too afraid to ask. As for this podcast, you can subscribe to the Sox Machine podcast wherever podcasts are found. Also, visit SoxMachine.com to talk about the game, minor league news, and later in the day, I'll be posting some thoughts about how my top 10 White Sox prospect list is faring at the halfway point. That post will be exclusive to those who support Sox Machine on Patreon, so if you like what you hear and want to support what we do, visit Patreon.com slash SoxMachine for an ad-free version of the site and show with access to all bonus content. Plans start at just $2 a month. Thanks for listening to the Sox Machine Podcast. For SoxMachine.com, I'm Jim Margulis. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.